Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the, the Married with Children podcast roundtable. And my name is Tyler, your wonderful co-host, joined as always by my awesome co-host, Stephen Scott. How you doing, Stephen? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, I think I'm going to cook some hot dogs out on the grill tomorrow. I just hope I don't use that urn on top of my... Um, on top of my fireplace, the urn that has my dead aunt's ashes. Oh, yes, I can totally see Stephen, like, just bent over, scrubbing that, uh, scraping down that grill, all the fine housewives in the neighborhood just going, oh, my. It's been a while since we've been actually, um, you know, posting and everything, but... Eh, it, things were things were kind of difficult. We ran into some problems with our recording software and hardware. You know, all the newbie problems that happen. But we're I'm looking at everything right now, and everything's working pretty well. So we're going to be having some great content into the future. Me and Stephen have been throwing out some great ideas, right, Stephen? A lot of ideas. I just wish we could get to them, but we had to get through these humps first. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Should we uh, should we give them a little sneak peek of some of the ideas that we've been kicking around? Uh, sure. Uh, one idea I had was Steve versus Jefferson. Which one? Or it wasn't going to be like who was better. It was going to be which characters, the strengths and the weaknesses each character brought during their tenure on the show. That was one of my ideas. Why don't you share one of yours? Oh, absolutely. I'm so looking forward to that Jerry uh, and Steve one. Oh, man. I, uh, wow. Hear that mistake? That yeah. Steve and Jefferson one, because I'm trying to, I'm going to hopefully get our uh, great buddy Jerry on here to explain why, obviously, Steve is going to be the greatest. Um, but and I'm going to reach out to Dan to see if he can tell us why Jefferson's the greatest. Oh, man, Dan and Jerry episode. We could just sit back and not say anything. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yep, yeah, so we got the Jefferson and Steve. One of my ideas that popped up right in my head while I was uh, messaging my brother the other day was a sibling one. And it got me thinking, what, why are there siblings on this show? Because it totally could just be the Al and Peggy show. I know it's married with children, but sometimes their children are just completely forgotten. And sometimes the dynamic between the two kids really centers the show. And it made me wonder, what if there were two boys? What if these were adopted children? What if the first episode was them actually getting the children? Or if it was one of those, like, you know, I could totally believe this show having a basket at the doorstep with a, an abandoned child, that old trope from the 60s. And I would have gone with it. Well, didn't Bobcat Goldthwaite try that? <laughs> Zenus and Ida May? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he has, he's, he's number seven, because we had yeah. one, two, three, four, five, seven. 
Of course, that, of course Peg and Al wanted to give the basket back. That's the only thing. And so do the fans. <laughs> you know, I, also on the sibling dynamic, I uh, was, uh, for a while, I kind of wondered what would have been like if Marcy and uh, Steve or Marcy and Jefferson had a kid or maybe two. And how they would intermingle with the Bundy kids. You know, because I would think for Marcy and Steve or Marcy and Jefferson, those kids would be like, you know, the senior class president and uh, the people on the debate club or something like that, as opposed to the rough and tumble Bud and Kelly. Just, you know, so uh, we're just so ingrained to how Bud and Kelly are that it's impossible for us to think of any other type of, uh, you know, personality. But I could totally jive with uh christina applegate being the oh my god i'm so popular i'm with all my friends i'm the student class president and well bud could just go full on geek nerd dweeb and they could play those stereotypes and i would have gone with it there was just so many areas that the show could have gone and i think an entire episode about siblings you know obviously we'll have stories of our own encounters with the sibling world and what Mm -hmm. why these particular siblings matter to the world of married with children you know and that's something else one of my other topics i wanted to uh, maybe possibly explore is uh, why and how married with children was bucking the trend of a nuclear families and societal norms during its time. Cause you had shows like Cos, you know, Cosby. And I know Mary, what children was, a was like was a response to Cosby and all the other. I believe that's what anti-Cosby's? the show was considered. Huh, they were the anti Cosby's. I believe there is a commercial and I'll try to find it for these clip notes, Steven, but um, there is a commercial where it's like, you love the Cosby's, but they're the anti Cosby's. And in between it's like, it's showing Cliff Huskable uh, doing something all nice and then immediately cuts to Al uh, throwing a kid out the window or something like that. <laughs> hmm. Well, you know, and uh, in relation to that, you know, you really saw that anti- antithesis of the nuclear family. Also with the Simpsons. Yeah, they were a family, but Homer was gruff and uh, dumb. And uh, you also had Roseanne which was real blue collar and uh of course it got weird at the end of at the end but uh you know at the same time that was kind of bucking the trend too so you had those three that were really going against the established norm of the sitcom family sitcom at that time and i think we're kind of seeing uh, you know, i think we've seen a shift in this you know where you see the reality of family in that and what you were just describing, like with Modern Family, Which I've never seen. And um, yeah, I've only seen a few episodes of. There's another one. I uh, forget which one had Chevy Chase. What was God, that? One there was called? also a Chevy Chase on. Okay, maybe I need to watch this. No, he was. No, he was like the the oh. patriarch. Oh wait, are you referring the to pa- the uh, National Lampoon movies? No, I'm not referring to that. Uh, I could take a look here real quick yeah, and Stevens, try and find uh, out. But... That up, I'm just going to like throw out to all of our mm-hmm. listeners 
think about your own families, and that can totally be a, a special side segment if you like this idea. And by the way, when I say special side segment, this show is for you Patreon, this patrons. That So what we do will be a completely... Uh, It'll completely function on how you guys, what you guys like and what you guys feel. Totally reach out to me directly through the feed or reach out to Alex or any of the hosts and say, you know what? They mentioned uh, stories. Is it possible that I could like give them a story of my own that kind of jives with what they were saying? You know what? Send me the clip and I will put it on the air because this is all for you. Okay. And. And it was called Community, and it wasn't a family show, actually. Or it didn't really revolve around, a, I think, the family. The one I was thinking of, actually, was Parenthood. Oh, that had Craig that's T. Nelson. right. They did serialize and, that Parenthood movie into a show, didn't they? Oh. Yeah, yeah. And Ron Howard, that movie Parenthood, I, you know, it showed all the dysfunction, how they all stayed together despite the problems, and... uh move on and figure it out and it, i mean one family uh, i think the oldest daughter played by diane weist was a divorcee dating john uh, wick she, himself uh, <laughs> well no she wasn't her you said da- the da- daughter the oldest was. daughter in that sh- in that movie oh wait are you talking about the show or the movie well the I'm talking about the movie here. You know, the the Buckman family. There was Gil, who was played by Steve Martin. Oh, that's right. There they was, had a daughter, um, didn't they? Okay, I yeah. totally forgot. I actually wrote a review for that movie quite recently. It was on my uh, movie watch list. And, yeah. You know, but Jason Robards right. was the patriarch of the family. And that's what I, what I was getting at is Diane Weist, I think, was the oldest daughter. Then came Gil, which was Steve Martin. And then there was uh, the other woman who married uh, Rick Moranis. And then they had that one played by Thomas Hulse, the kind of the black sheep of the family it who was, so weird was gambling Thomas all the Hulse time. pop up because literally three days before I saw Parenthood, I watched Amadeus while he was laughing Mozart. Like, it was so weird because <laughs> he's playing almost the same exact character. <laughs> Well, I've never seen Amadeus. I uh, hate to say, uh, but uh, good. I would, I would definitely give it a shot. Uh, I always remember him from Animal oh, House right. more than anything. <laughs> Man, I'm love. These are some good movies ideas. But um, Parenthood is such an underrated movie. I would recommend it. It, it was one of those great family dramas that fits any time period it's in, because you will have absolute empathy with at least one character in their struggle in that movie uh. and um you know they're just you can look back even in older times because like the andy griffith show i'm not too sure if you're familiar with it but that was not a typical family uh andy was a widower i and a single dad believe that and had i had always known about the yeah. andy griffith show i think every even zoomer kids now know the i think we all know that theme and i watched mm-hmm. the first five episodes of it when it dropped on hulu a couple of years ago and i stephen's absolutely right i my mouth dropped when i'm like he's a widower they they were showing a widower back then that's that's kind of edgy for a hmm. prime time television show. 
That should have been like a cable exclusive or a late night kind of deal. Huh. That was interesting. Yeah. Something interesting on the Brady Bunch. Uh, of course, it was very idealistic of the nuclear family. But Mike and Brady got married. Carol had uh, Mike and Carol. Mike married Carol. Mike had three boys. Carol had three girls. Sherwood Schwartz wanted the creator. He wanted to make it where uh, Mike was, yes, a widower, but that Carol was a really? divorcee. I thought they were both widowers. I mean, widow, yes. widow and widower. No, the uh, yeah. ABC executives, though, did not want the idea of a woman All who of was 1960 divorced. to 1990 would not entertain the idea that a divorced person could make it. Yeah, and so, but anyway, it was never really put out there completely when they were airing the show. But in Sherwood Schwartz, in the interview I came across, he said in his mind, Carol Brady was the first divorcee wow, to be portrayed so on TV. Cool. Another show I've I've got to, you know check back in on. Um, but yeah, like so, definitely, Married with Children is tapping into um, a thematic template that's been used for so long we've got tons of examples throughout the years and that might be an example of an episode itself where we just go through decade by decade all these different family sitcoms if we're you know we talk about the ones we're we're familiar with and the ones we aren't and if we miss a bunch well that's where you patrons can help and message saying hey you didn't talk about the waltons and i'll be like oh no you're right we gotta talk about the waltons <laughs> You want to talk about an idealistic family that's so smulchy, you got it. But it works. That's the weird thing. It works. But anyway, yeah, uh, Married with Children has always, you know, went against that trend of the idyllic, perfect family sitcom where every problem is solved in 30 minutes. Of course, their problems are solved in 30 minutes, just not but just not by conventional means somehow find a way to bring it back in a very sneaky way the scene that keeps coming into my mind is all of them in the movie theater while kelly's on her i'm doing air quotes date (laughs) and it i i just i know it ends with al beating the crap out of him but as opposed to the amazingly funny scenes of him dra- grabbing uh, her boyfriends out and throwing them out of the house because that's his place. He's just sitting back, letting his daughter have her date. She's an independent woman. I'm not going to interfere with, with her uh, outside of the house. I'm king in my house, but I'm not king out here. And the second Kelly asks, he doesn't even blink. And just walks over and beats the crap out of him for... It just immediately comes to his daughter's aid. And I'm not glorifying violence, but the way that scene plays, there is an element of that... Aww... thing that these family sitcoms have. Yeah. You know, Jamie Sammons mentioned this too. Uh, it was Rock and Roll Girl when uh, she was going to be in the music video with the Gutter Cats. And um, when Al saw her on TV and realized what she was doing, he was saying, Kelly, stop that. And then he's running out yelling, I'm coming to save you, pumpkin. <laughs> you know, it show, 
you know, and that's one of the few times Mary with Children will show it. It's usually with Ke- uh, Al wanting to help Kelly. Or it's either Bud or Kelly coming to each other. Notice it's rarely ever Peg coming after what they want. One of the few exceptions would be uh, an upcoming podcast episode they're going to have. The one that has Vanna White and she supposedly knows Al and offers him all this money. Probably one of my favorites. I, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for their episode on that one. I specifically avoided rewatching that episode for the past year, just waiting for them to get to it so I can watch it the night before the episode drops. Oh, is, yeah. Do you do that too? Do you watch you it the night before the episode drops? I don't understand how people can follow these movie podcasts or television episode review podcasts and not watch them the like the day or night before the episode pops out because it unless it's okay unless it's something I know from heart and even then rewatching it with those reviewing eyes on. Like I will watch episodes the of Married with Children right before the episode drops, and I will Al will say something, and I'll be like, "Ooh, Alex is going to say something about that." <laughs> so, you know, and me too. It's kind of like fresh eyes. Uh, the podcast has helped me appreciate uh, some episodes more. One of those was "And Baby Makes Money." At first, I always thought it was kind of a disposable one. And that's when Al's uh, uncle or somebody dies, and he's going to leave all the money to the first male Bundy who has a child in wedlock. That um, I've learned, to, I've appreciated that one a lot more, and I bumped up my rating after the podcast. That's one example, of course. By the same token, is I remember when they were reviewing every Bundy has his birthday, <laughs> and I hated that one. And after they were done, I, I, I still watched it the night before to remind me how bad it was. And then when they reviewed it, you know, I was like, yes, I hated this episode and I hated it even more after the <laughs> podcast because they hated it. It's kind of like it was the one of the worst ever. And then they're going to have another one. I don't remember if it's season again? eight or you nine, but it's called. And that was every every Bundy has his birthday was seven in his birthday party. And then. um there, there was one I saw not too long ago that I haven't watched since it first came out. It was called Enemies, and it was supposed to be uh, a new series spinoff like Top of the Heap, and I think it was worse. Uh, I hadn't seen it since it first aired. Uh, Stephen, I mean, not Stephen Jefferson, Marcy and Jefferson are in it, and um, Kelly is too, and I think it was supposed to be a new series that was the antithesis of friends. Oh my enemies, God, friends. You're right. That's so stupid. <laughs> but I can't wait for them to review that to see if I hate it Absolutely. even more after I might they review watch it. That episode cause... with an episode of Friends playing in the background and just kind of like flip back and forth and see uh, see if you're absolutely right with that because it sounds real. <laughs> and, and believe it or not call me sacrilegious i was never a huge friend i'm not saying i didn't like it i yeah it was just that it didn't connect with me much i actually i kind of liked the first three seasons the best and then after that i felt like it was the same old thing every time steven are so different in age 
because he got to see friends at a different age than I did. Steven, I don't know how, I, I never want to throw out your age or anything, but I was 17 years old when Friends was airing, uh, like in when it was very popular and I was watching the new episodes coming out. I was between the ages of uh, 10 and 17. So watching that show, I thought they were the coolest guys in the world. This is going to be so swank when I get when I grow up and get older and out of my parents' house. I'm going to have a cool apartment like this. I'm going to be having sex all the time. I'm going to be having awesome things. I'm not money problems is going to be weird because if I have money problems, my friends and buddies will bail me out. Oh yeah, guess what? <laughs> not true. That's not reality. No, it's. A, a very, of course, yeah, a lot of TV is fantasy. They were so Most TV blatantly is. Fan, fantastical. It made me wonder, how did anybody in their 30s, because I believe that's, what the, that's how old the characters were. They were in their extremely late 20s to mid to mid 30s, right? Yeah, because there's an episode where they all yeah. go back in time and so. talk about their 30th birthday. So... Yeah. Um, I don't understand how anybody that age could have connected with friends because it's so fake. Whereas I, as a preteen teenager, thought, you know, maybe life is actually like that. It sounds stupid, but I was starting to think maybe I just don't get it because I'm not an adult yet. <laughs> I do think more people, you know, look at TV and movies and think that's not reality. Um I remember an old movie called The Bad News Bears, black comedy, the original one back in 76. And at the very end, when the Yankees uh, my, uh, baseball team beats the Bears in this, uh, it's a uh, little league baseball, they come out with their huge trophy and say, hey, we're sorry we disrespected you. You're an okay team. And then one of the boys on the Bears says, hey, Yankees, you could take your apology and your trophy and shove it straight up your ass but anyway the thing is i remember walking out of the theater i was probably about, i think about 10 years old my brother was eight and my brother just thought that was funny and my father he said something that always stuck with me he says kids that's funny in tv and movies but not in real life if you act like that you're going to answer to me <laughs> to me and your mother you know, and there is some truth to that. It's kind of like we, we like to laugh and cheer when Al makes the fat jokes on women. But in all honesty, in re reality, That's he would have been fired why years ago. Friends is not regarded as in the same fear, sphere as Married with Children because Friends, they played it on the nose. Like they were, uh, they were very serious. I mean, yes, they went a little, they were a com comedic, of course, but. They played their problems for real. Married with Children has a way of saying, this is an alternate reality. This is a world where things can happen that would never happen uh, in, in real life. And don't, uh, don't, think, don't think it's going to. And you can learn some good lessons from it. Um, one of my favorites, one of everyone's favorites is he thought he could with the book that he had to return to Miss DeGroot, <laughs> the mean librarian. And you see this old battered woman whose whole, whole life was built around trying to shame this nine-year-old boy, even when he's a man. That was her life's goal. 
And that speech he makes at the end when he says that I'm a winner because I keep going to work. I'm going to do it for my family, even though they can't stand me and I have trouble standing them and I'm not putting a bullet in my mouth. And, you know, he still goes to work every day. How does he, uh, he, he, how does he end with her? He like says something that's a total own. I kind of forget. What does he say to her? He says to, at the end, he says, and the fact that I don't put a gun in my mouth, you putting of a woman makes me a winner. She says, that's what makes you a loser because you could have done something more. Make a promise, keep a promise. And he says, Mr. Groot, I will. And he grabs the thing of sugar off her desk, indicating he's going to yes, pour it down her right. gas tank. I love that because that spoke to me big time. Uh, that episode where he goes back and t- just owns it to that mean teacher. I have gone back myself as a grown man and Good God, I'm almost getting I'm getting close to Al's age as he was in um at the beginning of the show. But I'm going back to my my school sometimes and I'm meeting teachers. I've I met my third grade teacher again through Facebook. She discovered me on there and said how proud she was of me and what I'm accomplishing. And it's always a positive experience. Even teachers and uh, school staff that I hated that were always on my butt all day long, re-meeting them is always a nice occasion, and I remember that, and I realize that they're good people, and we talk about the bad times like it's a fond memory. Not married with children. Al holds those grudges (laughs) all the way. (laughs) Yes. You know, and... And that's a good question. Would he have still held that grudge if she had uh, had acted like that towards him even 30 years after he... Because that's the template, the right? That's back. where a show usually flips yeah. on their... Uh, they'll, they'll zig when they should have zagged. Mm-hmm. Like, I was expecting... Oh, like, I know Married with Children. Married with Children's going to have her being over-the-top and crazy and still mean, like, the same thing. I was expecting the show to break that mm-hmm. and have her be... Mr. Bundy, I want to apologize for everything that I said to you. Do that kind of thing. Nope. She was exactly the same character. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. She's talking about, is it wrong to hate a nine-year-old boy? No. Not if that boy is And after working in an elementary school, (laughs) I have so much more empathy for her. Yes. There are students I've worked with when I was at that elementary school for two years that I don't care if they're 10 years old. They're the Satan child. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and here's the thing. I teach freshmen. I think I've talked about th- I think I told you about this off uh, off mic, but uh, I had this one kid this last year. He was the most annoying kid. It wasn't that he was bad and pulling pranks or with a stink bomb or something like that. He was just annoying. He couldn't wipe his nose it seemed like without help when they canceled school for the rest. Well, they really didn't cancel it. They shifted online learning, you know, and I didn't have to do with him anymore for the last nine to 10 weeks of school. I thought, thank God, no more of this kid. Cause he was the most annoying kid. And I understand then why tigers eat their young. He <laughs> <laughs> was just annoying. And he, he was like, you're 14 or 15 years old. He's oh, acting absolutely. like he's 9 or 10. I don't know how many of our uh, 
um, patrons or listeners to Married with Children are still in high school. I hope some are. Like, that'd be great to have that kind of demographic. But you know what? If any of you high schoolers uh, are listening to this, don't assume that your teachers might not have a little contempt for you. We're pe- they're, we are people, too. And, yeah, sometimes you can yep. piss us off big time. <laughs> sometimes uh, I find it interesting. I remember uh, the first school I worked at, and I, actually I started out at junior high at a district, and then I had to go to the high school the next year. And I noticed the stark difference, and I would talk about this because I, I told you I teach kids to drive too, and I like to talk to them, find out about them. I loved it when I got kids from that school, and I would talk to them. I say, yeah, I was there, and um, I would also point out that it was kind of strange at that high school. A big difference between that and the junior high was that in the teachers' lounge there were cliques there too, and some of these kids were like, "Really, there are cliques in the teachers' uh-huh. lounge? Oh God, yes." Oh, God, yes. Teachers are human, too. Um, if you want a good show to watch, uh, try Mr. Iglesias on Netflix. It's really good. <laughs> it's funny. It's enjoy, And I can identify that with them to a certain extent because the kids I teach are about that age group, and they are that diverse, you know, from different cultures. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, teachers, I'll never forget, we, you know, Kids would be amazed if they heard how a teacher might talk about it behind their back. I kid you not. I was teaching the union driver's ed one time, and I had this kid in the back seat. And I, he was with another English teacher. I, I teach English. So anyway, she was asking me, how is he? How is he? I said, oh, he's fine. He's doing okay. But once I got him in the car and in the back seat while the other kids are driving – I kid you not. That was the closest I ever came to telling a kid to shut the fuck up. Oh, you've never said up. that to a kid before? I mean, obviously, take the no, F uh-uh. out, but uh, you never told a kid to shut up? Oh, no, I always go with never the have. sip it. Shut. I usually just say, keep your mouth closed. Uh, when, growing up in my family, you know, we talk about the fun... Yeah, we had some dysfunction, but overall, my family and extended family really got along well for the most part. One thing I never heard my grandparents or my aunts and uncles or my father and my mm, mother say to I anyone was shut up. In high school, um, in elementary school, it's the only school I've had like real teaching experience where I was at the same school for two straight years. I developed what I call mm-hmm. now the dad yell where you go deep, deep in your diaphragm. I'm going to move away from the microphone, and you do a, hey, that kind of thing. (laughs) And I can silence a classroom of first graders like that. (laughs) Yeah, I can do that, too, to ninth graders. I do my hey, and with my deep bass voice, I I can make it go pretty far. (laughs) Um, And actually, that um, this is a good... Uh, time to transition to another topic I had for a uh, Married with Children roundtable discussion. Everyone that I've ever met who's into some type of show, book series or something, we all they all love to do fan fiction. And we've all done it, even if we've just done it in our heads. And it's so easy to choose, oh, what was um, a really, really good patron, um, Chrissy P.A., uh, she sent me a bunch of like 
her uh, her fantasy about what Al and Peggy were like in high school. And hopefully, I can get her on uh, on the mic sometime to uh, to read some of them. They're really really good. And but but you know what? Those are probably done to death online. What I was thinking was choose a side character in the Married with Children world, and then you create your story about that person. And I've already been doing that with one, our mysterious gas station worker that you never see who's inside the gas station on that episode that I was on. Yeah. And I pointed out, there's a guy in the gas station back there. It's prob in my fantasy, and I will go more in depth when we do this episode, but just a little preview. His name is Habib. And how did Al end up wearing that shirt? What is Habib's story? How did he end up in this weird Chicago outlet Chicago y uh gas station? And and uh yeah, once you start it, it really just keeps growing, like how the fan fiction can work and how these stories can build up. And I think that would be a fun idea. You and me each choose one, and perhaps we can get some people to send in their favorites, and you and me can read them on the air. That'd be good. Actually, I kind of did that a little bit last night with, um, I don't know if you saw what I put on Facebook. It was uh, one of those breaking news things about Grandmaster B delays his oh, tour okay. I, due I to did, COVID. I saw the breaking call that. Yeah. But, but the thing is, when I, I like to write a story. You know, I love things like Babylon B, The Onion, that do parody news. And I made a reference to Miss Hardaway, who was uh, uh, the person in charge <gasps> oh of the gosh. Virgin Hotline <laughs> and recruited Bud. And then she's in the latter episode when he's. Uh, well, Grandmaster B is master being in the <laughs> library. <laughs> and uh, anyway, it's re- you know, it, you could tell she kind of likes them. Well, in the little story I wrote, I talked about her being the president and only member of the Grandmaster <laughs> B fan club. <laughs> you know, I've always loved that character. I'm hoping Alex will let me on those two episodes. So I think you see. have a good shot of getting on those episodes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but uh, uh, think about her name, Miss oh, Hard yeah, Away. Hard, hard away. away. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I read. I read an interview with her. She's very. Um, she's very open to being that type of a person. She says, "I know I don't have much in looks, so I focus on my acting." And it's she. She's worked regularly. Uh, Mama's family is the only other thing I can really think of, but. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to maybe write something about her. Uh, no, I don't and have it would a crush be totally on her. Fine, if you did, and uh, yeah, uh, I'd be. Uh, I've always been a writer. I'm working on a, another novel. You, maybe some of you patrons have heard me. Uh, no, I'm advertise once or twice. Ready to pre uh, pre order it. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I'll, let me know if you need me to send you the link. But the thing is. Um, I like to, you know, you think of Bob Rooney, Officer Dan. How did he get to be an FBI uh, agent, and then next, and then later he's a cop? You know, well, I I thought of a little story to write in there. He was fired from being FBI because he uh, mishandled a, 
someone who served our country who was playing who and used to play high school football what fan fiction and that's what makes it so much fun mm-hmm. yeah it would be fun to see that and read Go some of it over the air patrons, too um and it, like i said my character's a character that not even the host noticed uh, like he's not even really seen there's just a shadow of the person and i'm just guessing that his name's habib and unless something is said by the show to make it canon you can insert whatever you want and well for all we know it's legitimately true so and if we get really popular maybe the reboot of married with children which definitely needs to happen hey they george lucas you know what yeah, it's george not gonna lucas happen took some though fan fiction and made it real in star wars we might find out <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't think it's going to happen at this point. But and it, I, I wish it would. I wish it would, but it's not going to happen. Even I read an interview with Christina Applegate recently, and she said she was on board initially, but she talked about some problems that have occurred, and they're not going away. So it, it's not it would require happen. definitely uh, at least two of the main cast family members. I know David Faustino will be on it in two seconds. If we could get, if Katie Seagal or Ed O'Neill were willing to uh, get started, I bet you something could happen. You know, and that's one thing. Um, David Faustino, he was the only one that really did not have a super super good career after Married with Children. I know he still made a good name for himself, you know, made money and done some good stuff, but you know, it's just not as prominent as the others, and at least Absolutely as the four main not. characters. Unfortunately, like so. I think in my mind, obviously mm. Katie Seagal, most famous out of all of them, in my mind. Um, then Definitely. Christina Applegate. Uh, <laughs> I discovered her after watching Donnie Darko when I was thirteen. I was, oh yeah, oh I'm that's like, a good movie. Wow, why what? what is so attractive about this character that's got him opening up in hypnosis? So I check her out and I'm like, Oh, that's why she is hot. Um, and then Ed O'Neill, I knew him. I think Ed O'Neill, I think Ed O'Neill's more, had more success than Christina Applegate. Say yes. Only because of, is it modern fan? Is it modern family? Yeah, I believe it's because of yeah. Modern Family. And I don't want to give that him too much credit because that was a very, very lucky thing for him to land that role. I never thought that show was going to last as long as it did. But, um, yeah, so there's any before that yeah. show. I only knew him as Lenny <laughs> from A Mice and Men. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the only thing I recognized Ed O'Neill from. So yeah, I definitely believe Katie Seagal is the highest. Ed O'Neill and Christina Applegate could probably be on eh, on par with each other as you know the level of actor they are. But you're right, David Faustino, he kind of took the career that I probably would have taken if I had gone into acting. Like you just lean back, counting the residuals because Married with Children still airs. They're still getting so. They're still getting royalties for that, and yeah, man, like patrons, if you're not following David Faustino on Twitter, get on that. His tweets are, are a hoot and a holler. <laughs> I'm gonna send him that thing I wrote last he night. Probably see if will. He likes He's it. that kind um, of guy. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, then you look at some of the supporting cast members. Amanda Beers, I really don't hear much from her anymore. I know she did some I directing she, outside of I think uh, she got away from Married the acting children. role and went more into the behind-the-scenes role. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying. She went, She started to direct more. And uh, there was also um, uh, David Garrison is stuck mostly to theater. Is he still that's doing That's what his theater? first love is. I don't know. I really don't know. And I know uh, Tim McGinley's still around, still doing things from time to time. But uh, they're probably just at that time when they just want to kind of sit back and let newer people start Ted to do McGinley things. Tim McGinley was because, a, uh, you know, he was, a, he was getting close to relic status when Mary with Children was on. Like, he was a get because of his work in 70s uh, television. So. Yeah, and he still did some stuff after that too. I loved it. He used to be the patron saint of the Jump the Shark uh, website, and he embraced that role. He was he was like he was really okay with it. He embraced it. But uh, if you really look at it, uh, married with children, and like I've said before, did, did when he came and when Seven came, did they jump the shark? Yeah, but they survived it. And uh, I credit Tim McGinley for creating a new role as opposed to just doing the same thing that Steve, that David Garrison did for Steve. And uh, But you look at it, you can see it like in Happy Days. He came during the tail end when it really started to get bad. And I was never a huge fan of The Love Boat, so I couldn't talk to you on that one. But I think he was only in like the last one or two seasons at most. And that I think he got it more from that. Uh, as opposed I to haven't seen children. one millisecond of the love boat, and probably never will. Um, but I did see a lot of happy days, and I totally understand the term "jump the shark." With married with children, though, they've—and again, this is probably our bias coming out of it—but they never really seemed to, in my mind, jump the shark. I don't really see a time where it got so fantastical that I wouldn't believe what was already happening. I mean, like, I think someone said uh, Kelly becoming the Verminator on one news review that I read was the jump the sharp moment. And I'm like, really? The Verminator? Have you guys watched any of these other episodes? That is not the weirdest thing that could have happened. I direct you to Weenie Oh, no. And... (laughs) I, you know, and I said in a recording, I don't know if they're going to use it on the season uh, seven wrap up show, but my contention was, yeah, they jumped the shark with seven, but they survived. And, uh, I think they jumped the shark when Steve left, but they survived. I think they jumped the shark when Jefferson came. If you want to look at another show that continually jumped the shark and made a drastic plot twist and still survived was MASH. (laughs) <laughs> because they had a lot of characters come and go. Uh, uh, Charles Emerson Winchester III. Uh, yeah, I like the older ones better because they were more humorous than they were political, I guess you could say. But uh, Winchester developed a different type of character. BJ was pretty much like Trapper John. Uh, Colonel Potter, that was a big directional shift in that show as opposed to um, mm-hmm. Henry Blake. And then if you look at uh, another show that I guess you could say really survived jumping the shark uh more times than once 
oh, maybe yes. the facts of life. That wasn't that wasn't although a, that, I was oh, never, that was I was not never a jump the shark. That was a toilet flush. That was a capitalization on yeah. <laughs> like the Urkel character who just took on that that kind of you know that kind of role and everything and and the total attention got diverted away from the main idea. So you talk about facts of life or family. You said facts of life. My, my bad. I said facts of life. I agree with you on facts of life completely. (laughs) Although I was never a big, huge fan of it, but, uh, you know, they had some drastic changes twice and somehow survived. I don't know how. So, and, um, you know, I was watch I was watching the Flintstones. Every single if you've ever seen that one, and you could tell that, one. yeah. And the, the time it jumped the shark was when the little green alien Gazoo or whatever his name Kazoo. was started to appear. It's actually, my Twitter my Twitter handle is the Great Kazoo, and um, it sucks because I loved the Great Kazoo, and I realized why I loved him because I was a seven year old kid watching the Flintstones. And he was totally for the kids. But the Flintstones was made for adults, and I can understand why adults would not like that character. But that And that is a perfect example yeah. of jumping the shark. Or Fonzie literally jumping the sharks in Happy Days. But I don't... Yeah. Well, actually, I think Happy Days jumped the shark more when Again, Rich and Ralph I, left. See, I, I understand why you would say that. I don't consider aspects of shows when characters leave because that happens contracts end. people want to go and do something else the jeffersons had a uh, big one i was a big fan of the jeffersons and it caught me off guard when the father left um which they should have when a character is gone Oh, I think you're talking about man, good times these shows in my head you're right good times i was watching the jeffersons and good times simultaneously and be on and off, on and off, and you're right. Good times when the when uh, Henry left, that the show should have just ended, in my opinion, right then, because you've broken the family. The family is broken now, and it's the original dynamic is gone, and I don't like that. It's it's just not the show anymore. It's a, a shadow of itself. When Seven showed up. I am a seven defender. I'm not liking the character, but I understand the need to experiment, to try new things. And the fact that they did not keep seven tells me it wasn't a jump the shark moment. It was a, hey, guys, you want to try jumping the shark? And they got very close to it on the skis, and they're like, nah, let's not do that. So I, I, I... I'm okay when shows like to experiment a little bit and when characters in real life die and you need to figure out a way to, you know, keep the show going without them. I understand that. And so jump the shark is when there's like, we're going to completely change the whole show there. And the ultimate jump the shark, in my opinion, is all in the family when Mike and Gloria left. It still startles me to this day yeah. when I'm watching my DVDs, and there are more episodes after that. Like, well, you know, and you got to look at Katie Seagal in Eight Rules because uh, John Ritter died in the middle of that one, remember? 
and but but that see but that was a death in the of a of a character in real life and i i will be more forgiving of the show trying to find its way its footing in that sense but on all in the family yeah rob reiner just wanted out of his contract he was done playing that role and they couldn't figure out a way to have gloria be around without mike so they just had them move to florida which should have been the end of the show i love uh uh carol o'connor and um um uh, and e- I'm just going to call her Edith. She's Edith to me forever. I love Archie and Edith as characters, but they were best as heads of a patriarchal family. And when now that that family is gone, the show is not a, the show anymore. And I understood it as, okay, the shark's been jumped and they're going to try to keep it going. So, we well, see, and that's why I say Happy Days took a bigger yeah, nosedive absolutely. with the departure of Richie. Ron Howard wanted to go into directing, and uh, I don't know why uh, Donnie Mills left, but in any case, yes. back to Married with Children. You know, they had a lot of uh, changes over the year. Uh, no, ma'am, is this going to be explored in season eight? Because I think mm-hmm. that's when it was born. And uh, Kelly becoming the Verminator. Up, that No Man be is a this. season eight thing. Yeah. I kept remembering it as a full on uh, thing through the entire show. <laughs> well, you know, and look at uh, season six when Peggy was uh, pregnant. That was because yeah, Katie Seagal that was, was pregnant. insanely brilliant how they worked around. Uh, of that pregnancy, uh, not yeah. as cool as everybody loves Raymond, where whoever fo- was their director of photography on Everybody Loves Raymond, how they shot that show to always hide her belly, I never knew. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh-huh. well, that was the second time she became pregnant. I'm talking about uh, in season six. Her pregnancy oh, was right, written right, into the right. show. Yeah. And so what happened was, you know, then they made Marcy pregnant too, and I thought those show those few episodes were were mildly entertaining to mediocre, and some were just lame. But I thought the quality really got uh, good after they rectified it through uh, oh uh, Al's dream, <laughs> because that's what they did, and it kind of made me wonder. Why didn't they do that with the Seven character that they woke up and realized it was all a bad dream? Or maybe Seven wakes up. He had a bad dream of being left behind or something like that. That probably would have been better. Okay, so the dream (laughs) thing, and I'm doing air quotes, the dream Mm -hmm. thing is considered a storytelling suicide action. It is. There is nothing that pisses an audience more off than to find out some big, important thing was all a dream. Because it's literally the show creator saying, ha ha, all the emotion we put you through doesn't freaking matter. Married with Children survived that dream thing. And, like, you know, I, you guys, if you guys have been listening to me, you guys know, I never watched Married with Children up until three years ago. And I watched the entire show serially all the way through. When that pregnancy thing happened, with Marcy and Peggy being pregnant, I was like, I'm not liking this right now. Rewatching it, knowing where it was going to go, I was enjoying the hell out of uh, all the 
pregnancy, uh, hail baby things because I knew it was going to end. So I'm on your side saying that that pregnancy thing was strange. And the fact that they were able to save it with a dream and not alienate their audience just shows you the amount of empathy and likeness, uh, lovability that people had for these characters. Well, I think they uh, survived it because they were really making a parody of Dallas throughout the the whole ultimate dream. Because that's what Dallas did. Yeah. Because anyway, uh, sorry, that's I just had to something stop you and, from uh, spoiling the end of Dallas. <laughs> uh, spoiling Dallas for those who haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, well, it was well known anyway about what happens, how they fixed it, and I know it made a lot of fans mad. I remember that. I didn't. That's another show. I didn't watch it religiously, but I knew about it, heard about it, and I remember hearing. Patrick Duffy wanted to come back, and I thought, how are they going to bring him back? I thought he died in a plane crash or something. And then I heard that they brought him back through making a, a dream with Victor- Victoria's Dream, that the last three or seasons or so were just a dream. And I'm thinking, oh, please, you're reaching people. I saw that show two <laughs> years ago for the first time all the way through. I had no idea about the dream thing. I never heard anything about it. I didn't know anything about that kind of stuff. And when she wakes up and walks over to that shower, and he's there, I threw my pillow onto the floor and turned the show off. I was mad for a couple of days. I I was like, are you serious? Really? You're expecting me to believe that? I kept waiting. I'm like, what's the joke here? Uh, Is she, like, drunk or something and imagining him? What's going on? I couldn't believe they went that way. <laughs> what a big middle finger to people watching it back then. <laughs> well, you know, and you really got to blame Patrick Duffy for that. I want to leave. Okay, you're killed. No, a couple of years later, I want to come back. Okay, we'll work you back in somehow. We'll figure out something. And that's what they did. So one of the few times I had some disrespect you gotta, for you Patrick Duffy. you got to be careful Duffy. with, with but, bring uh, characters like, back. Because that breaks your ability to connect with uh, characters. When they die, it's sad. It's bad, and then you have closure. And when they come back, that closure and those emotions you felt, well, now you're embarrassed by them. So, Except for Seven. He disappeared, well, I mean, and nobody Seven wanted him back. Vanished. He, they, mm. they didn't, he didn't get carried away by wolves and eaten, which uh, could have happened in this show. No. <laughs> You know, I had an idea on the reboot. I think I posted on the Facebook page about, uh, you know, that uh, Al is trying to learn how to access the online yes. form of Biggins. And he he and Peg are, like, watching the kids, but he's so obsessed with this, he doesn't pay attention. And um, actually, it's Bud and uh, his wife's kids and Kelly and her husband's kid. They're watching them, and they're kidnapped and they have to contact Officer Dan, and they're trying to track him down, and they find out the person who kidnapped the kids and wanted ransom was Seven. Yeah, I thought that would have been the perfect way to bring it back, and I wondered, would Shane Sweet be willing that to come back as that role? such a get. And, <laughs> and I thought it'd be hilarious to be like, uh, Al says, who are you? Uh, you don't remember me? I'm Seven. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Al would just say no. Peck would say who? Oh my gosh, that's so great. And then he just like comes, he's like, I'm sorry, kid, I still don't remember you. Or sorry, buddy, I don't remember you. And he just comes over to yeah. Al, puts his hand on Al's shoulder, and then knees him right in the groin, and then just whispers, give me money. Yeah. Oh, that and then like a look yes. of horror on Al's that face. Would be oh, good. Let's do it. Let's do it, Steven. Let's bring it back. Oh, it's so perfect. You know, and that that would be fun if you could do something like that. Uh and you know, when you find those little things and bring it back uh to kind of, kind of uh give the story the closure you were talking about. Um I don't know if you remember the Star Trek um reboot, the second movie that they had with Khan, uh, Into Darkness, oh, yes. I think is a what very, it was called. Uh, a very, very dark time for us Trek fans because they, well, it's it's totally I, a fan thing. It's not a bad uh, movie idea. It's, uh, have you no. seen Wrath of Khan, the, the original? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I grew up on that. But what I was getting at is... Um, you know, and I liked Into Darkness. I, it was my favorite of uh, the three new ones. The thing, yeah, the thing, but uh, what I was getting at is what I think would have been a really good third one was to go back to that tribe that saw the Enterprise come out of the ocean and fly away. <laughs> just, just tell how would have that affected the point of view? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> The only thing I disliked about, uh, like, this is a Trekkie talking here. This is the only thing I disliked about that uh, second reboot movie was that it seemed like they wanted to take a shit on probably the greatest Star Trek movie ever, Wrath of Khan. It it's it's so good. It is so 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 good. It's so powerful, and they did it, redid it. And it feels hollow and empty, and I felt like that was a bad mistake on Abrams' part to do that. But that's again, that's a fan of the old show talking. It's I don't want to put it on the on the new world yeah. that they've created. Well, the only thing, uh, as a fan of the old show who grew up on it, actually, I kind of liked it. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was Spock yelling "Con" exactly. instead of "Kirk" oh, or whatever. Here's our yell, and. <laughs> and but, and the other thing I didn't like about the Abrams uh, reimagining of the Star Trek was that yes. they made the galaxy small. I mean, they got they got to they got to the Klingon homeworld within a matter of hours, and I'm thinking, no, it would have taken them a few days, even at warp speed, to get there. Maybe even a week. Uh, they got the Vulcan within a matter of minutes. No, it would have taken them a few days, yeah, even at warp I... speed, and. This. And then the transporters that can go all these distances, I didn't care for that either. But overall, I, I did enjoy the the Gamma ones. I, mm-hmm. I think they yeah. call the Gamma ones, right? I, I get it. Gamma and that's universe. why the movies, but, even back, it, because movies and shows are different. Uh, you're right. A lot of Star Trek, the shows, and even the newest ones, even Picard, the CBS new one, you... It's good. Which it's I haven't really seen yet. I, I would check it out. D- don't start it and then stop it. Like you gotta like see it to the end to appreciate all of it. But um, the 
like Star Trek, yeah, you're right. They're, they took a lot of the travel out of it. A lot of Star Trek. I've, someone told me on, on, on Twitter once, if you take all of Star Trek, TOS and TNG, and put them together and cut out every single minute where the show is literally just trying to get the crew from one place to another you've got like 40% of the content excised but that you're right that's what makes you re- realize wow this universe is really huge they are traveling nine times faster than the speed of light and it's still going to take us like six months to get over here like that's a good way to tell you how big the universe yeah. is so but you can't do that in a movie a movie you gotta you know you gotta move 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 you gotta get from one thing to another so I understand that and I, I read an interview with Chris Pine, and he said the days of uh, the subtlety of, like, in Star Trek two and three, the search for Spock, uh, he said those days are probably gone. And it's, you said it's kind of sad, but uh, he understands why. Back to Married with Children, though, um, if, you know, I was going to say one other thing that I always found um, kind of in a realistic form were Bud and Kelly and their relationship. Like when Kelly is tricked to go to that uh, pig party w- w- with the Mensa people to make her feel stupid, he's Bud is there to defend her. And when uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen steals his clothes again in the skinny dip, Kelly is there to defend oh, her uh, brother. Defense, you know, uh, and, I know I completely. I, those were the two that popped into my mind, like when you said that. But the third one, one of the, my favorites, is when. Um, Kelly gets left on the side of the road and has to walk home and um and but it I just oh, yes. the way it ends with Bud goes like it's like, yeah, this little slut named Kelly or something and he just go he just stops and turns and just walks over and coughs on him and he's like, Hey yo, you piece of shit talking about my sister like that. I love that. Oh, it's just oh, gotta have yeah, you, yeah, I get to bully, and you know that's real. That's real life. I beat the crap out of my little brother when we were kids, but the second my little brother came home crying, and I'm like, "What's wrong? This guy down the street, he did this to me," and I'm like, "What?" And I walked right out, walked right across the street, walked over, and I pushed, I grabbed that kid who was about five years younger than me, and I threw him right into the lake, and I was like, "No one picks on my little brother but me." So there is there's a real there's real life to that. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a couple of similar experiences because I have a younger brother and I also have a younger sister. And so yeah, I always felt the same way. No one picks oh, yes. on my siblings but me. And it's uh so I think we're gonna be getting ready to sign off. But before I do, Stephen, I would like us to each share what we would say is our favorite memory with a sibling that we have just to close off this uh the the sibling conversation well let me tell you about my sister real quick because actually i didn't know she existed until a few years ago i was adopted as an infant and two years later my parents adopted my brother as an infant and so we were both adopted different biological parents of course and um, about uh, four years ago, my mom was into the ancestry thing, and she got me one of those DNA tests. 
and uh, came because I wanted to find out about my health, the health problems I might have to face. And I didn't know. And I figured out who my mother was. She is gone. I found who my father was, and he is gone. My father, though, had um, a, a daughter about 11 years after me. I don't think he knew about me. But the thing is, when uh, she saw me on Facebook and reached out to me, it was great because she just didn't want to share me the information on our father, but she wanted to have a relationship with me. She said I look exactly wow. like him. And uh, she's only had – she has two other half-sisters, and she always wanted a brother. And so it's like, wow, this is really cool. I now have a sister. And she's married. Her, my brother-in-law's a great guy. She has two kids. I have an extra niece and nephew now. And I have to say meeting her was my favorite moment with a sibling. The first time we met. Hey, well, Stephen, you, I can like, I can hear the tissues being grabbed by our listeners and uh, the the look, the looking at photos of other people's siblings because that was a that was a wonderful, wonderful story. And uh, this is going to creep you out a little bit, but I have a very similar, almost kind of identical story. So um, I was raised by my grandparents and. I have a little brother who I later found we discovered him. Um, he was living in Florida. He's a half-brother of mine, and we got him when he was two. And it was just the uh, it was just the two of us. Grew up with our grandparents, and a few years ago, my grandparents passed away. And we, me and my brother, have both been slowly connecting with the biological parents that we had um, me my, I'm reconnecting with my father not his father and he's connecting with his father down in Florida when I discovered my father about five years ago I discovered him through my sister that I never knew I had growing up I have two sisters mm. Aubrey and Nicolette Tigno. Now my last name is I is not the same last name as my uh, as my grandparents. I was the I'm the only one growing up with the last name Tigno. Even my little brother doesn't have my last name. And when I discovered the name Tigno online, I was like, "Who is this?" And I messaged her, and then she messaged me back, and she's like, "Were is do you?" She started asking me questions. naming names that was part of my family and through her I got to meet my father for the first time three years ago and in that time I have come to I I've got to really know him as a person I've got to learn a lot of interesting things that kind of contradict what I was taught growing up it's very strange but the best sibling experience I can say and it's a little unfair to the brother that I grew up with but the most, one of the most, like, just cut catching me in the gut was the first time I visited my father. And on the entire trip over there, I was messaging and emailing my sister, Aubrey, about it. And when I got to my father's family and I got to meet so many people that all knew me that I had never met, she showed up. She was the last one at the party. 
and she saw me, I saw her, she ran across the lawn, leaped into my arms, we gave each other a huge hug, and we, we spent the entire night talking, it was like we had known each other all of our lives, and I'd always wanted a sister, she had always wanted an older brother, it was, it was so hallmarky that it, it's sickening, and it was such a wonderful experience, and it's making me, uh, now that I actually have a sister, it's making me really love the dynamic between uh, Bud and uh, Kelly. So I just thought that was cool how our stories are yeah. in the same ballpark, pretty much. Yeah, and I want to emphasize, yeah, I had some great fond memories with my brother. We saw Star Wars together for the first time, and we were wowed. I was 10, he was 8. But that moment of meeting my that moment of meeting my sister was just phenomenal, and her her whole family. I also got to meet her mother, who uh, knew my biological father, and it was really a powerful experience. So, so. yeah, like so yeah, listeners, siblings. Um, it's a strong, strange relationship that's out there and kind of universal. Um, Al and Peggy's is a very strong relationship, but that's one that they chose. They chose to be married. Uh, I mean, yeah, Ke- uh, <laughs> Peggy chose it. Still not hundred percent sure on Al, but uh, <laughs> they chose it. And but Kelly and Bud had no choice. You're stuck with your sibling, and for better or worse, you love them. Yeah, and they define who you are growing up. So, you know, and just to top off, uh, I always remember in uh, it was this last uh, season. When Bud, when Al decides they're all going to vote for the first time, he says, Bud, Kelly, come down here. I have an announcement. They're on their way down. Oh, great. He's going to tell me I'm not his father. <laughs> or he's not my father. No. No, I'm the one who's not his kid. And one of them, and Kelly says to Bud, Don't you look just that. like him. No, yes, you and do. Then all of Mom. It, and then it's all of it. And then, no, Kelly says. Bud says that was low, and Kelly says, I'm sorry, I went too far. <laughs> As if everything she's ever done before wasn't, and that they didn't want to be a Bundy. <laughs> and that's so great, because it literally is the opposite. It's the same emotional beat to a real-life kind of thing. Like I remember when my brother was told when he was nine years old. I'm six years older than my brother. So I remember when he was told at age 10 that we adopted him and he started bawling and ran to his room and was crying and I went in there to like talk to him and I came back out and my grandparents were like so is he does he hate us and everything and she goes no he was just terrified at the idea that me and him might not be real brothers and I had to assure him that even oh. if we weren't half brothers, that's some bullshit. Like, <laughs> you're my brother. But but I love that Kelly and Buzz, it was the opposite. <laughs> you went too far. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it's a show that can definitely make you relive those very intense emotional beats through a filter of ironic comedy. So. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's time to sign off here, correct, Stephen. I want to first take this opportunity to thank any listener for putting up with the patience that we needed to get this thing going again. We're going to have some great new episodes coming up for you in the uh, in the future. 
And um, I'm going to swing it over to Steven so he can remind you of some of those ideas that we kicked off at the beginning. Yeah, so one of those, we just talked about the the brother-sister relationship or sibling relationships. Uh, another one was um, Hawaii, how, how Mary with Children, you know, goes against the trend of the nuclear family sitcom. I also talked about the... Um, um, you know, Steve and Jefferson, what strengths did they bring to their roles? You know, those are some that we were looking at right now. So also, you know, if a patron has an idea of a topic, please let us know. Uh, Alex has given me an input, and it was something we talked about today. Did the show really jump the shark this season in season seven? And I do want to say one thing. We need to have a moment of silence, Tyler, because... Steve does not return in season eight, and I don't think he comes back in season nine either. So it's going to be two seasons without the Steve reappearance. And Jerry, you know, I'm sorry too. You know, I'm sure yes, he's probably let's heartbroken. All give a so. moment of silence. Quick... Shut up, Jefferson. Keep it quiet for uh, our departed Steve. Oh yes, way, way, way. Okay, too that's long enough. For him. I can already feel that beard itching. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yes, this has been a Married with Children Patreon roundtable discussion. Until then, have a wonderful day. And save us the oh, seats yes. at the front of the Make nudie those bar. Dollars fall. <laughs> See you later, Stephen. <laughs>